to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with the nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the board game community show. Today, I'm really happy to have Tim Fowers. How you doing, Tim? Hey, doing good. Good. Tim and I ran into each other at SaltCon, and I got to play a couple of his games. It was awesome. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for playing. Yeah. How was SaltCon for you? That was really good. I got good feedback. It's always inspirational, too, to, to get to play some new games. Like, I, I, I never got around to playing, is it Quest for El Dorado or Road to El Dorado? Is that, that Kinesia one. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I won, but I really enjoyed it too. (laughs) (laughs) That always helps, right? Winning feels nice. Right? Yeah. I I can get behind this game. Yeah. Um, And uh, I got to play Arc Nova again. Really enjoyed that. So, so yes, I got to, and then I got tests in. I got to test this new um, fugitive type game um, and tested new rules for sabotage. And, and all overall, the test went really well. So it was, it was really, I mean, it's good data, but it was also positive data. It's like, okay, it looks like we're going the right direction here. So, so yeah. Yeah. My wife and I got to play both of the, the sabotage new rules and yeah. And then, and that was with sky who's been on the show before sky Larson. So that was really fun. And they stole the victory at the last <laughs> moment. It was so close. I, th- I was feeling so cocky. Like, oh, yeah, we got this. <laughs> yeah, you had, yeah, you had, you had, the, you had the opening. Um, yeah. But, but the, yeah, you got shut down hard right at the end. Um, yeah. Oh, killed us. That's okay. It was fun. E- even losing that, I still had a blast with it. Well, yeah, thanks for, thanks for playing. It was really, it was really fun. Yeah. So and same with The Fugitive 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's something new. Um, and uh, I don't know any, any any thoughts on that with the, the the city chase. Yeah, I thought it was good. So for listeners, it was like a hidden movement type game, just one v one. And I was trying to hunt down my wife, and she was trying to hit up these safe houses. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, it was really clever. I liked how you know. I could start deducing the longer the game went on of like, okay, well, I know that she's moved right. She's played this card that lets her move right once or however much. So now uh, now I know she can't do that anymore. Uh, so I'm starting to be able yeah. to figure out like, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like if I played it a second time as the marshal, it would, I would be using a lot less of those like deduction cubes. Yeah, yeah. By so- the end. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about that one. I mean, I've got to kind of like, we got it to a good enough state now. It's kind of like, okay, now we just need to, to, um, 
not really shelf it, but like, okay, we need to start working on art for it and start queue that up. Um, hopefully we can get a Kickstarter going soon, but I have to, you know, I, I can't really put any, any more time into it. We've got to get um, paperback adventures um, to the printers and then, and then, and then we can shift back to it. So. Which I'm really excited about too, but I had, I was thinking about fugitive actually the other day. And I was like, what if it was like just a square, you know, the regular square grid map. And then you had like little miniature cities you could put on it, you know, like and make yeah. it. And so you could build your own cities and layouts. Yeah. Know. Yeah. We've, we've talked about having, <laughs> having it be, uh, th- having it kind of have a 3d sense to it. Cause you're going, you cause you're, you're, you're going on and off buildings and that's a big part of the game. Um, we, but we want to maybe keep it to meeples. Uh, we, we don't want to get, we want to keep the, the price pretty low on it because, fugitive is is pretty economic game and so we want we don't want to price ourselves out we kind of did that with like sabotage and stuff and in even burger too where they were just kind of like a little over the top and that also pushes the price kind of out of the normal range and so so we do want to do configurable cities but we're a little hesitant to um i don't know we got a couple ideas how we can do it like is it an add-on pack you know where it's like here's some here's some meeples that go with the game you know, or because, you know, or do we make it fully like configurable, but then does that, um, you know, what does that do to the component count? And, and does that make it harder for people to just jump in? That's you know, true. when it comes to like, you know, um, so we, we just debates. There's much more com- add things we want to add to the city. Like we talked about like waterways and whatnot. And it'd be really fun to build a city, but we just got to, you know, it's like the cost benefit and like, you know, it's it's definitely a you're you're adding to the tactile experience of the, of the player, but um, but you know, there's costs. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. See, look at you go. You you've been running a business for a while, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you you can't. Uh, we, we call it going Oprah when you just start. You have a good Kickstarter and you start just giving everything away. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you want because you know the game's going great, and the money will last forever, and <laughs> and uh, and you're never going to die. Of course, so, um, we we try to be smart about that stuff, and and uh, I mean, you know, it's it, Kickstarter itself is really interesting, and in, in the, the the dynamic relationship you have with your with your players because it's like they're your backers, and so they're kind of your investors, but they're also your fans, and so. You know, there's times when they want to be heard and there's times that they want to be told, like, you know, this is what I'm working, you know, this is what, how it's, how it's going to look. And they want, sometimes they want your leadership and sometimes they want, they want to feel like they have input uh, into the process. And so balancing that is, is really tricky. Um, And even on an individual basis, you get people that feel their relationship with you is different than other people in in, uh, who are your backers. Yeah. It's a tricky balance. You hear those kind of horror stories of uh, like, well, you just see it. You go into a comment section of any yeah. Kickstarter and it's <laughs> like, I'm backing you. You should listen to me. Like, I, I have own rights. you. Yeah, yeah, I have rights. You're like, well, it is still my game, okay? Like, I want to talk to the manager. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I mean, um, there's some that you really need to reply and some are more like you can tell that it's more just a, a personal issue. Yeah, finding that balance and and definitely not, you know, there's plenty of wrong things to do. It's very often finding the right response to some of this stuff. 
But I mean, luckily with, with um, paperback adventures, we've had to push back the date a couple of times, but we have a fully implemented digital version of it. Yeah. And so on my last update, I'm like, yeah, we're probably still going to have to push it a couple months. Um, we're about ready to, to send it the printer, but um, you know, we're just getting the file, you know, just putting the final, you know, things in the files because it's the type of game that there's a lot of like, you know, opportunity for there to be broken cards and overpowered things. But by having a digital version, we've been able to, to weed a lot of those out. And now it's just like, Hey, I know that you really want to get this game. How about you have it now? (laughs) (laughs) And so we make these time limited um, demos that last a couple of weeks. And, uh, and so the backers can just ask me and I'll send them a, a copy and they can play it now. And it's a solo game. So this, it all works, you know, that all works fine. Um, but, but I re- I've realized in since I've been finishing Paperback Adventures, it's like I've wanted to make it kind of a premium experience. So I've been doing several stretch goal type upgrades to it just behind the scenes. Um, and, and so now we have like some metal tokens and, and some bigger cards and more sleeves. Um, we've just added a few things that, that I'm just like, you know what? I would want this. And it's going to be annoying for people to sleeve like some of the game and all of the game. You know, just things like that. And I'm just like, ah, you're going to be interacting with these these counters a lot. Why don't we just make a metal and then we, you know, we get priced it out. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, it's all within kind of, you know, you got to do it within reason. And you, right. so you want to figure out where the best, you know, where, where where's best to spend your money. So. With, you're just spoiling us backers. I keep, every time you add something new, I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, this is just some random, almost stretch. Yeah, it feels like a stretch yeah. goal that's after the campaign, right? Like, yeah, I just find that like most of the time, as long as I'm not breaking the bank, investing in the game um, is going to help its longevity. And so I'm thinking about long term, and I'm just like, okay, you know, there's gonna be, you know, what's gonna what's gonna have the best the best feel even from the beginning with with paperback i tried to put in like all these mini expansions everything i could think of instead of like the whole like oh i'm gonna hold back or i'm gonna upsell you on a on an expansion or whatever i'm like no i i always i've always found that when i'm really um transparent and and customer focused kind of in that sense where it's like what are they gonna enjoy and what's the best way to use the money um is generally paid off i mean there's some where like the game wasn't super popular, um, but I still I still think it was kind of worth it. I mean, I guess Burgle Burgle Two and Sabotage both had this kind of like I overproduced them a bit, where I'm just like I was so excited about the idea and I wanted to be clever in a lot of different ways. And so both of them have these transforming boxes that have, you know, depending depending on the situation, have issues. The Burgle Two is supposed to transform into a, into a table, and the table. It works fine, but some people don't like it or some people think it's wobbly or whatever. And it's not like strictly necessary. Like most people now just don't play with the tower. And and I kind of feel bad because I'm like, well, I just tried. You know, I got to innovate. Um, yeah. it, worked, it worked a little better in, in Sabotage where it was like, you know, the box transforms into this barrier. But there was like a percentage. We think it's around 20% of the boxes have a thing where they're just kind of like they're constrained they can't like open far enough and you can score the inside so that they'll open fine. But then people really didn't like ha- to have to do that. And so we came up with this little sticker kit to keep your, keep it looking nice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's the thing is when you innovate, like sometimes it's something they didn't necessarily need or 
you know, whenever you're asking, you know, China to do something really new, uh, you can just have an error rate where it's just like they might just mess it up. So, you know, so, so yeah, with paperback adventures, we're keeping it pretty simple. I mean, we got trays, uh, trays, sleeves and markers and the boxes aren't going to do anything crazy. Um, so I think, we're, I think we're okay. Um, they don't open up like a book and actually have pages and no, it doesn't sing a song when you open it. Um, <laughs> there wasn't that thing that on, like exploding kittens. They made it like meow when you opened the box or something. Oh, maybe that does sound familiar. It was one of their like secret stretch goals or something. Oh my gosh. That's lovely. <laughs> what a, as what a, a fun It seems like a manufacturing nightmare, but yeah, at their, yeah. at their level, you know, like they can figure it out. They can do whatever they want. Right. Uh, well, paperback event, are, are all those bonus things like um, going to be part of the core box or is, are yeah. those Kickstarter? Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. I never do Kickstarter exclusives. Okay, um, I didn't think so, nobody but... feels good about it. And I, I feel like board game people are already very vulnerable to scarcity type manipulation. Um, and so I don't want to push that button any harder than I need to. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> at any point you can be like, "Oh, there's limited copies," or "Oh, it's a Kickstarter exclusive," or whatever, and and then everyone feels bad, you know, where it's just like, yeah. you know, um, because they didn't get the thing or whatever. So I've never done Kickstarter exclusive, you know. I've done a couple of add-ons where it's like, yeah, you could just buy that on the website after, but almost everything I roll into the game, um, and I I, uh, I haven't ever done a game and an expansion like together on a, on a Kickstarter. I did hardback and a paperback one expansion. Um, but I never did like, Hey, you need to buy this expansion right now with the game. And I'm no, just put it in the game. It's like, you know. that is kind of weird, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's about keeping costs down rather than putting everything in all at once. Um, when companies put out a Kickstarter and it's like, here's the base game. And also you don't know if you like it, but here's seven expansions. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I think what um, Level 99 does is really smart, where they're like, okay, we're going to make a core game, and that's going to go into distribution channels and whatnot. And then all the extras and all the expansions are going to go on our website. I mean, and you can get those, you can get those, get those in the Kickstarter. Right. So it seems pretty smart um, where, you know, you've got an entry point for people, and then it can, you know, if they want to go down the rabbit hole and invest, they can. Um, but yeah, with Kickstarter... Yeah, a lot of this just like yeah, buy the expansion and yeah, the, yeah, it's it's partially a skew thing, but I always feel design wise, um, you know, they're you know very often they're holding something back, and they're like, well, is this you know does the core game represent the game, you know, or is it is it or is it kind of inherently incomplete? Yeah, um, but I mean, there's also kind of this obsession with content um, on the backer side. Where like any any thing that you can add that is more content that might make it slightly more replayable is like so has so much value, you know. Oh yeah, I feel um, that. You know, and and I mean, I think you have to realize that like, you know, some games, yeah, you can just make another scenario, right? It's just like here's another scenario, you know, like Gloomhaven or whatever. It's just like making more content for that feels very like linear and incremental and it doesn't break anything. Um, other games though, like with fugitive, fugitive, fugitive is like, you know, uh, 42, it's 42 cards and it just kind of is what it is. 
and and I added these little like event cards, and nobody really uses them, but there was a there was a lot of insistence around that from backers where they're just like, is this replayable? And then like, it's just one of those games that's like, yeah, it's really replayable. It's just like, as it is, you don't know that yet, you know? And so they're just trying to like hedge their bets and like, well, if the game ends up sucking, at least I've got this expansion content. It's like, well, if the game sucks, you're not going to play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need an expansion if the game sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, but I, I mean, that's the thing is like, as a backer, I think it's good to understand the psychology of it, both the, 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 the scarcity of just like there's limited copies or it's a good deal right now. I mean, there's that whole thing. Um, and then also just the pressure to be like, you know, asking for the kitchen sink to be added in. And again, when things are going really well as a designer, you want to promise the world to everyone. You want to make everybody happy. And it can, it can often be the wrong decision or it's just, you know, you don't necessarily know all the factors going into the design of the game. And so uh, pressuring the designer to go in a direction that you're excited about, but maybe that's not the most fruitful direction or there's just a lot of other factors. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I keep getting distracted because you've got this like bird on your wall behind you. Yeah. And I love it. It looks really pretty. But then, so last week I accidentally started at, I had Elizabeth Hargrave's questions up and I accidentally yeah, yeah. asked Eric what his favorite bird was. Uh, <laughs> and so now I want to ask you, do you have a favorite bird? Yeah, that's my favorite bird. That's a, a Quetzal. Oh yeah. That is gorgeous. That looks like yeah, mystical. Yeah. The, yeah. Quetzal, Quetzals are awesome. I mean, I, I, I don't know, in like third grade, you know, I was going through the encyclopedia. This is before, you know, internet. Yeah. And I would just, br- I mean, that was how you like browse things is I had to pull the encyclopedia out and it had a lot of serendipity where it's just like, you know, and, uh, and the Quetzal was this, you know, kind of, it's this bird of paradise uh, type of type of bird where it has these super long feathers um, that are the, uh, and I built one out of paper craft um, in third grade that was like, you know, with the feathers and the whole, like, like to scale. Uh huh. Um, because I was into I was into that. Um, but yeah. So that's you know been my favorite. That's awesome. <laughs> this is going to be a new thing. This is just a new standard question of uh, what's yeah. your favorite bird? What's your favorite bird is there? I mean, I'd be curious if is there a is there a Quetzal in 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 wingspan somewhere? I don't know. I was just thinking that Does maybe they have like Asia and Australia or Asia and Europe. Europe. I, I don't know all the ranges of the. And North America. Uh, oh, North America. Uh, that's the standard, though. This, right? Yeah, the base game is North America. So this is South America, so I don't know if that's, if that's the thing yet. But, you know, eventually all the birds will be in Wingspan. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, let's go back to some standard questions. How did you get into board gaming originally? Um, yeah, so it was... Um, I mean, I, I did some game design when I was younger. When I mean, I you know, was watching Star Trek and wanted to make the 3D chess. And so I made the 3D chess. Oh, you can see here. Um, you might have to post pictures to your podcast. This is the, this is the, the 3D version of, oh, of, of my Star Trek chess board. That is awesome. Whoa, that's gorgeous. Yeah. So I designed it in seventh grade and it's not a good game because I didn't really play test it enough. Um, and I was in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, um, I had moved to California 
and I um, I spent the, a big chunk of my woodshop class building that. And so for me, it was mostly just that um, it was just about finishing something. And I think that's, that I wanted to see it through and I want it to be. So I keep that that as, you know, like with my with all my game stuff, because it's just like that I just, you know, I got over the finish line and 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 that I put, you know, I made the best version of it that I, that I knew that I, that I could at the time. Yeah. And I didn't do really much board game stuff after that. Um, and so, you know, after I graduated college, uh, I finally got a whiff of, of Settlers Catan. And then, um, I heard about Puerto Rico and, and Power Grid had just come out. And Power Grid was probably the one that did it for me. I was kind of in this, you know, I'd been thinking about um, video games as well. The indie game scene had had been kind of taking off at the time. And I looked at, I played Power Grid and I just saw like how simple it was. Like like, there's so few components and there's so little going on with that game. When it comes to just like, okay, here's the power plants. Here's the economy. Here's a map, you know, figure it out. Um, it just felt so elegant to me that I'm just like, this is, this is just, this is amazing, you know? And they're like, and so I kind of wanted, but I didn't see a path for that immediately. So I, I started looking at the path of making indie video games. So me and a buddy started just working nights on indie, on indie video games. And then we did crazier things. Like we moved both of our families to Kentucky and continued to make indie video games. And we made a game called now boarding the, the video game it's on steam now and then uh and clockwards um we made those and then kind of while we were doing that that's when i started spinning up my first board game which was walkstar uh which was a co-op you know real-time you know game and uh is that available anywhere yeah yeah it's on my site it's is it it's, yeah oh, yeah I mean, it's the, it's a long story, right? So I made a first edition and it had some fun mechanics to it. And I made a hundred copies and I sold it at, at origins. Cause I was, I was back East. And then, um, I kind of went this whole drama with publishers, you know, where, um, you know, I Mayfair sat on it for a year and then didn't give me a yes or no. And so then I made a hundred copies and then I signed with Z man. And then like a year into that deal, they signed with Philosophia and got bought by. Are they? They got bought Asmodee. Well, they got bought by Philosophia and uh, Philosophia got bought by Asmodee. Whatever. <laughs> um, and they and and so after two years, they come back to me and they're like, "Well, I know you've got this whole art style, but we want to make it anime." And I'm like, "Apparently, we're, we're not on the same page." And it, it, it was my two year limit, right? They hadn't finished the game, and so I walked away from that deal and walked right into Game Salute which was another train wreck. And so we made the second edition with, with, with game salute, but I piggybacked on that campaign and made my own campaign for paperback at the same time. Oh, okay. And, uh, and that was the, the beginning paperback was, the, was the beginning. And then two years later I'd kickstarted, um, Burgle bros. And then it was clear like, okay, this is a thing like, uh, people like I've got an audience, people like what I'm making. Um, and, and those are still my top two sellers is Burgle Bros and, and paperback. Um, and the other ones, have, the other ones do decently. Uh, Fugitive is really strong. 
but yeah, so 2015, um, I was living in California. So I, so I left kind of the indie world and in 2010, and then I worked at, a, at one studio called React, and then I ended up at Amazon Game Studios as a game designer in California. And so I was there like three and a half years. Um, and I, I liked it there, but it's hard once you're indie to go back to a normal job. Um, and just kind of the BS of a normal job and dealing with <laughs> your boss. You know, yeah. kind of I mean, I had a really good situation. I love my coworkers and they were super supportive of doing my board game stuff. But I just, I wasn't really meant to be in that environment because it's like, this is what happens when you're like a creative, you know, entrepreneur type in that situation. And this happened at a couple jobs where I like, I spend the whole weekend just like, you know, in the workshop, you know, either coding or building a prototype or whatever. Uh, you know, I can code kind of. Um, and I'd come into work with like this prototype and I'd spent all weekend on it. I was so jazzed about it. And I, I got various reactions to doing that, but none of them resulted in it getting made, whatever the, the product was. Uh, they were just kind of, you know, the best I got would they, they'd pat me on the head and just be like, you keep being you. And I'm like, so are we going to do it? Like, <laughs> and they're like, oh no, no, we're not going to do it, but thanks for the effort and, and all that stuff you do. And I'm like, okay. So Yeah. So I can't, I can't really last at those, those kind of places because and I get it. Like, you know, these companies are a big boat and a boat can only go in one direction at a time. And, uh, and so I need to, you know, do, and, and also I start designer small, I design smaller stuff now, both board games because they're very achievable, but also the video games I make are very just small scale. Cause I know that's, I, I want to make small things and try to get them out there. Um, so yeah. So, so now I'm kind of in a, in a loose collaboration with, Jeff Krause, Jeff Beck, uh, Sky Larson, and then Ryan Goldsbury is my artist. And then, um, and then that new Fugitive game is a new collaboration um, with a new designer out of, out of Germany. Oh, cool. But it's a type of environment where I, they're not my employees. It's, I got advice years ago from, a, from, from someone about how to be an, an indie, like indie video games. It was just to like, you know, you, you, you treat yourself like, like a musician. You're like, okay. I can play the guitar. I need to find a drummer, you know, but when you go to that drummer, you can't say, Hey, do you want to like play all these songs? Unless you're smashing pumpkins. And then he just writes everything and everyone just plays his stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can't go to the drummer and say, Hey, let, you know, I got all these songs. Do you want to just play drums for me? You got to go like, okay, what kind of songs do you like? You know? Okay. I've written some of this stuff. What do you think? Let's jam on it. You know? And so when I work with people, I, I try to make it collaborative like that. It's just like, ah, I've been thinking in this direction and, and try to be really open. And I've really designed my design. My design skills are around bouncing stuff off of people. Yeah. Um, and particularly around like programmer types because they can think deeply about a problem. So my first partner was Tom, um, Tom Mason. I made my, my indie games with and whatnot. And I've kind of designed, and so now I work a lot with Jeff Krause, um, who who does all the coding on our stuff. Um, so I, I try to be collaborative like that, but not prescriptive. And also just like on any given project, it's kind of like, you know, who I end up brainstorming with um, isn't necessarily going to always be the same person. Like with Sky, you know, for Payback Adventures, it was Sky. Um, and you just kind of play it by ear. And so then later on, it's like I could go do a solo album. 
you know, or whatever. I can do my own thing if I want. And it doesn't necessarily hurt the band. And I I encourage all all of them. So Jeff Beck has made several of his own games and they're kind of under my umbrella. So I kind of have this loose, you know, kind of collaboration of people that can kind of sell games under my, uh, you know, my infrastructure and whatnot. And they do their own Kickstarters and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but I like having them, you know, I give feedback on their games. They give feedback on my games. And it's just kind of like, I really like that without the pressure of like, okay, we got five people. We've got to make five paychecks worth of money, you know? And, and this is how a lot of game companies die before they get started. That makes a lot of like, sense. You get like three partners and are like, okay, we got to make like this much money. And for me, it's just like, okay, it's all about runway. Like how long can I go? Uh, you know, with, with the cash I've got and whatnot so that I can, cause for me, you know, I just want to do this as long as I can. And so I want to, I want to do really, you know, be really reasonable about things. And so what I do generally is rev share. So I'll work out rev share deals with the, you know, the core collaborators on, on a given project. And I'll just be like, okay, just, you know, you're, so you're not coming into the company or anything, but you're, you're going to, cl- we'll collaborate and then you'll get this cut in perpetuity you know, on this project. Um, and, uh, and so the, it becomes a residual income for them. That's yeah. worked out well. I mean, because it just, it really stresses me out when I have a lot of, of, of people relying on me. So I don't have anybody as a full-time employee. And so it's a mix of, you know, rev share for some people and then the contractors outside that just, you know, hourly kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've talked to both Rob uh, Kramer who, yeah. you know, he and I think Sky also mentioned, you know, both of them talked about how like, well, have you, you kind of pushed them and say like, well, have you thought about being independent? Have you thought about publishing yourself type of thing? And like, I think, I think, I think Rob's mad at me at this point. He's just, he's just like, I don't want to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he's spending a lot of time pitching right now and uh, trying to get stuff going. He's also working on that Grand Carnival expansion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I played as Critter, Critter, Critter Grove. Critter Grove. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like it. I really like it. But, but there's, he kind of used to kind of, we were debating, we we're, were discussing like, okay, is this, is this going to, you want this to be a family game. You want this to be a core, ga- a core gamer game. And, and there, there's things that you can push towards to get in those two directions. Yeah. Um, but he's really talented and yeah. And, and, I, you know, I, yeah, I kind of helped connect him and, and Jeff Beck to make Grand Carnival. And I was there for a lot of the development. That was another thing where it's just like, I just kind of helped there and um, I wanted to see them, them do well with it. So I, you know, I got, you know, some, I pitched some stuff that made it in the game and, and um, yeah. So. That's really cool. I like, I know that, uh, you know, uproarious games stuff is on your site. I didn't, and I knew you guys were all buddies, you know? Uh, yeah, I love Intrepid. Jeff came over and we played it, and he's been on the podcast twice, I think. Yeah, but cool. never like as by himself. I need to have him on just as a solid guest. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't realize like that. So you're kind of like the umbrella. Yeah, yeah. So and and there might be you know I've t- I've talked with other people. There might be some other people coming in, and it's one of those things where I just like. I know that there was some kind of, you know, early Kickstarter advantage for, for some of us. Like I got in relatively early and, and, and it's harder for other people to follow on. So this is a way I can kind of make it easier for them is it's like, if they can, 
if they can sell under my umbrella, then then a lot of the logistics is taken care of. And if if they, I mean, my umbrella has a particular model to it, yeah. where it's like you're selling direct, and that's primarily what you're doing. But at any point, if you know they want to branch out and just sell on their own site or whatever, you know, I I don't have any control over their inventory or anything. So oh, gotcha. Yeah, you're not you're not trying to micromanage them. You no no. I just figure like. The more games that are on my site makes it better for customers and for retailers too, for a lot of the people that, you know, the, the, a lot of the, the brick and mortars that want to get stuff. Because we'll sell to brick and mortars. We won't sell to online retailers, which is part of my whole model is that I don't want cool stuff to be selling my games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I've, I've, I've haven't done standard distribution either, which, you know, I who knows if it was the right call, but, you know, I'm still here. So... You're a big name, I think, you know, like people know Fowers games. It, no, it's, it's always somebody knows somebody uh, like my, this will happen to my siblings where they're like, are you related to Tim Fowers by some, some board game, you know, fan. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, he's my brother. And like, and, and my family aren't even big board gamers. Like they don't okay. really, I've got, I've got like a bunch of siblings. And so there's been several cases where like, they've got some friend, who like, you know, Tim Fowers. And so like among this very small group of people, <laughs> I'm a big deal. And that's perfect. I'd want to, you know, it's just like, I like to think I'm just like, have my own little frequency I'm transmitting on. And I liked having this little niche audience with like globally. Um, and I like to have the direct connection with people. That's why I like, I like selling direct and, and, and I try to take care of them. That's why I keep improving old games and going back to them because because uh, I think I kind of owe it to them and I kind of owe it to the game to be kind of the best form of it. So the way I've like patched Burgle 2, I now have a new this new version of Sabotage. I've got an update. I've got a whole second edition of Fugitive, the original Fugitive. I have Paperback uh, Volume 2 coming. And we're going to, again, we're going to do that digital first. So launching very soon is going to be the new Paperback Volume 2 app. New set of cards. Oh designed by Jeff Beck and it's a whole remix of it. New abilities, some of the stuff from the expansion, some of the stuff from the original and some new stuff. And it's a whole new core set of cards and, and we're going to play it digitally for a while and get it, get it tuned up and then, and then print it. Um, it'll be more of an expand alone where it's like, you could combine it with paperback one. Um, but it, you know, it has a lot of the powers from paperback one. It's just paperback is almost 10 years old. Uh-huh. And so people are very familiar with like, this is the letter that has this power that does this thing. So we're building a bigger set of cards. And so there's kind of more variety and, uh, and figuring out what worked and, and what didn't work instead of just sticking with the same thing. Kind of like, here's a new master set of like of cards to play with, um, with some new goodies uh, baked in, uh, it, you know, like now there's a co-op mode. I mean, there's co-op in the physical game, but now yeah. there's a co-op mode and you can play alongside a computer um, the AI is like super good now. Um, so just some, some things like that, uh, where we've kind of remixed it. That's really awesome. Uh, a little tease of what's to come, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have, yeah. So I have four things I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to roll them out. But, uh, but yeah, sabotage, you know, new edition, like second edition or whatever, whether we're going to make a new version or like a patch kit for the existing versions or both, uh, yeah, paperback volume two, sabot- uh, uh, fugitive, uh, 
second edition with PVC cards and and actually we have some new content for that. And then Fugitive Two is is the wholly new game. And you know, before any of that, paperback. You know, got to get paperback or adventures out. Uh, yeah, which is which is really settled in. I mean, a lot of it is like we're getting the samples made right now of the trays and the markers and make sure that all looks good. And then we're finalizing the cards right now and start sending those over. And then the rule book you can send a little bit later than the others, but the rule book is getting in there too. And um, tons of art in that game too. Cause it's like every single item has art and they're all just, you know, all these literary terms and joke in jokes and whatnot. It's like <laughs> red herring and Chekhov's gun and, you know, plot armor. Um, nice. You know, it's, uh, we play on all these different tropes and stuff, but so, yeah, I mean, things are good. It's just always, always kind of uh, not go, it doesn't go as fast as I want, but you know, for being, you know, the type of operation we are, uh, I'm mostly just focused on like, you know, good kind of, um, work-life balance. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I mean, I saw your, you know, your wife and kids there at the show. Do, yeah, yeah. Do they play a lot with you? Uh, at shows, they'll they'll play they'll play games when we go to shows. But like at home, uh, my my sons, we, we're getting more. We're, we're playing more more these days. My kids are old enough now, and the problem is like they're still really young on the, on the design side. So they'll play at the earliest prototype, and they will keep that opinion of the game and forever even after i change it or whatever they're like i like the original that did this and i'm like i'm sorry you're wrong (laughs) this is better wrong Uh, but but so it's called anchoring you know when people get like used to the used to whatever it was yeah i've heard other design eric was talking about that with blood rage of being like he had this one original thing that was more complicated and the people that played it that way like that's that was the peak game there, you know, like, yeah. and he ended up taking out that entire thing and they're like, Oh, now it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No. Yeah. So it's like, I get that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, things are, things are, things are going good. We're trucking along and, um, no, we're excited. Uh, it's been really fun to have this digital version of, uh, of payback adventures. Like got almost a thousand games logged of oh, it. Wow, nice. Lots of data. So we just went through and like, okay, what are the cards now one picked? And we looked at them all, and we tried to make them better. And oh, like cool! That. Make them a harder decision. Yeah, 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 where it's not like obvious, and it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of weak, or oh, they have like this in their starter deck already, so like that's why they're not picking this. So um, yeah, the data is really useful. Yeah, well, but at the same time, right? You've got three different characters, so that could, uh, there's so much data to sift through. <sighs> it's yeah, it's a lot of it's in making a you know maybe we should stick to two characters, but. Um, it's gonna be good. A lot of content. Thirty enemies, uh, hundreds of items, fifty. You know, well, sixty cards per character. You start with ten, and then there's fifty more. That's just letter cards, though. I guess. And then, yeah, we so. haven't specifically said this episode. I guess I was assuming people have listened to past episodes. But do you want to break down uh, how Paperback Adventures works? Since that's oh, the sure, current sure, thing. Sure. Go to <laughs> go to Fowers Games and no, uh, yeah, just look so, at it. And- pre-order it right <laughs> yeah just just yeah so it is a um single player dungeon crawl through l- literary tropes so you're going to go through six fights against different monsters and you're deck building as you go so what happens is you'll you'll do a round of deck building uh or not or you'll you'll do a fight 
and then you do a bunch of deck building and you get items and stuff. And, and so there's the idea is not just, it's a mix of deck building and tableau building because there's like these kind of different degrees of uh, like, there's uh, items that, that you can use your energy to activate whenever you want. There's um, MacGuffins, which will activate based on a condition. So there's like, you know, whenever you, the first time you shuffle your deck every fight, then you get this bonus. Um, and so they're more passive, but they can stack. And and then, you know, then the letters themselves do a lot. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on uh, with, the, and, and, and so over the six fights, between each fight, you get upgrades uh, in, in various ways. There's a shop you can go to as well and spend your resources on. And, and then eventually, so your health persists between all the fights, right? So you've got to have, you know, you've got to kind of budget your health as you go. Because every, as you go through the fight, like every round of the fight, you know exactly what they're going to do. Um, this is in like Slay the Spire. And this, is all, this whole game is very inspired by Slay the Spire, but also Into the Breach. And it's kind of a modern thing to do where it's like, you know that the enemy is doing this attack. You have no surprise. You even know all the attacks are going to do in order. Um, you have to make the choice of how you want to respond to it. Do you want to block? Do you want to attack? Um, and that's really where using your health as a resource is, par- is important, where it's like, okay, I can block this turn, but he's just going to get stronger. So maybe I should let him hit me so I can hit him so I can kill him sooner and and then and then not get in this kind of spiral. And and budgeting that is, is really kind of tense. Uh, and you do get to heal occasionally through the fight. Uh, through uh, every after every every other fight, you get a little bit of a heal. Yeah. Um. But it's uh. But yeah, it's uh, I'm really really happy with with where it's at. Um. And and the way that we that this is what Sky came up with this this concept of splaying. You know, with like what order you put your cards in. You know, all the all the right all the right ones on top or all the left ones on top. And what that does is it exposes a different set of icons that are generally like more block icons or more like attack icons. And that's like the, the right and left usually represent those two, those two kind of stances you can take, but also the top card has an ability. And so whatever card was at the top of the display is the one that activates. And that makes, um, and that, that's, that, that makes uh, a lot of choice of like, okay, in this whole word, I'm only going to be able to activate one letter in this word. And, and what do I need right now? you know, making that choice. But then the one that activated, you know, leaves the deck. And so it fatigues that turn. And so, you know, you've got to figure out, um, you know, what, you know, because that's your, your deck is going to burn down over the course of the fight. And so it's, it has that very Gloomhaven, you know, and it's inspired by, by Gloomhaven where it's just like, okay, I'm going to, you're going to run out of steam. Uh, and so, you know, you're kind of your own worst enemy here. So, you know, you got to, uh, you gotta, you know, keep, keep moving. You can't just kind of like let the fight go very long. Yeah. Those are kind of like the general mechanics going on. And then across the three different characters, they have different play styles and, 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 uh, keywords and whatnot. So I'm really excited for it. It's my number one game I've been looking forward to. That's no secret to listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. Yeah. Let's go outside of board games. What do you, what do you do outside of board games? So, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, pl- I mean, I, I like video games, like I'll play like Hearthstone and Overwatch and just like play, you know, I kind of have just like comfort games like those. I don't play a really wide range of games in my downtime. I'll kind of play the same game and it's meant to just be like 
just relax, you know. Um, You're a but PC I, uh, gamer, is that right? Yeah, yeah, PC mostly. Um, and then on my phone, it's, you know, oh. either Shards of Infinity or Dominion are kind of my go-to. Um, just little deck builders. Um, nice. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, the big thing that I took on is the last um, almost five years, I've been um, learning bagpipes. So uh, I've been going around, um, and I don't didn't join a band. Uh, like, a, you know, usually join a pipe and drum band. And I thought you were going to say a punk band. And I was like, oh, a punk band with bagpipes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, join a ska band. <laughs> oh, um, there you go, yeah. Uh, no, but, but I, but I just kind of took it as like, you know, uh, kind of a, a good mental exercise. I've never really done an instrument and just kind of the discipline that it takes. Uh, and bagpipes is hard mode, um, just by default. And so I've been getting out in the community and just playing for people, especially during COVID. I just use it as an excuse to be like, Hey, is anybody stuck at home? You know, I'll come, I'll come play for you, you know? So uh, just in the community, I volunteered and gone out and played for people. And I still, on my neighborhood, I'll go around and, on their birthday and I'll play for them. I was going to say, I remember a video of you playing Happy Birthday for Yeah, yeah. Else. I went over to Kyle Farron's house. That's what it was. Time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, that kind of stuff. I really enjoy that. At uh, PAX Unplugged, uh, when they, because at the very end, they had this, they have all the enforcers come through. And they uh, they blow a horn and they're pushing everybody out. So I so I play the pipes uh, so awesome. as for the on the last day when they're when they're walking them out, and um, it's just fun. It's just it's just a fun thing to do. And I've even done a couple funerals. Um, really really powerful. So it's just been it's just been a fun hobby. And uh, I'm an extrovert, so it gives me a reason to go meet people and and. Uh, and it's 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 you know it's a good conversation piece. I'm yeah. not you know I'm not terribly good, but uh, but yeah. So uh, St. Patrick's Day is this week, so I'm going to be out playing. I go to my kids' schools, and like as all the kids are coming into school, I play. And um, it should be mentioned, full on kilts. Oh right? yeah, yeah. The whole it's getting more. It's it's getting more and more elaborate. <laughs> oh, uh, really? There's, there's like levels of like piping. I haven't gotten to military dress and the big fur hat yet. But I'm like one step away. Oh boy! <laughs> Give it a year or two. It gets heavier and heavier uh, the the more you wear. But yeah, it's been fun. And That's- then um, we uh we spent a lot of last year in England. Went over with the family and just had an adventure there. And went to uh, um UK Games Expo in Essen, and um and yeah, just just had a good time. Um, and just got to experience different culture. Kids did school online and um. I had a blast. Uh, we know. almost didn't get you back. I understand. Well, <laughs> if it was an option. If it was an option, it'd be tempting. It's tempting to stay, but, but we do. I mean, there's a really good board game community. I mean, you really get reminded when you go to like salt con, you're like, okay, this is a really good community here. And we do have friends and everything here. So there's that, that's always kind of like the, the, the gravity, it, you know, it's like, where's your family? Where are your friends? Yeah, and we need some friends over there, and so uh, we definitely want to go back uh, and visit. But yeah, we'll be here for now. So, well, welcome back. I'm glad to have you here in Utah with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, Utah's good. It was surprising, actually. I I meant to ask you uh, if there was any temptation to go to Dice Tower West because that was the same weekend. 
Oh, um, I had some friends going to that and I wanted to, to go see them, but I went and did a booth at Dice Tower West and it wasn't really worth it. I, I ran an event. I did my mega now boarding and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it was kind of, yeah, this is like 2018, 2019, one of those. And it was just four times. It was just so, so it, it wasn't. Um, so maybe in a couple of years, I'll try it again, you know, see if it picks up. Yeah. But because it's, you know, it's enough of a drive that it's consideration. It's like, eh, I don't want to drive down there. So yeah, it's like five or six hours, right? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I was happy to run into you. Um, ridiculous theme. So ridiculous theme. We come up with uh, something we think would be a ridiculous theme for a board game. Doesn't have to be bad. Just something you think is kind of silly for it. Oh, well, I mean, there's already, there's already a lot out there. There are. And I mean, when you've got like quantitative easing, you know, QE as a board game uh, and Ponzi scheme and like, <laughs> you know, so like, I, I mean, mostly it would be along the lines of like, I think movies are a good thing to look at, right? For like, what's a, um, you know, what's a, because movies give you a framework of like, hear the emotional beats, you know, this is what the fantasy is about. This is where, and so like, and Burgle Bros was very much designed around, okay, what would Ocean's Eleven feel like as a board game? And it was very intentional. So I think mostly it would be just like trying to mine, you know, other types of, you know, I mean, I guess you've got a nature show with like Wingspan. You've got like the, the nature documentary. So like, you know, and the only like rom-com um, board game I know of is, um, what's it called? I've got it right over here. Uh, Fog of Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like the, you know, so if I was going to brainstorm along those lines, you know, what is what is not, you know, represented? And the other thing is like, I keep thinking that, that you can't do this and then like Prospero Hall will come up with some way to do <laughs> Jaws or what's the one they just announced? Oh, Jurassic Park Legacy. Oh wait, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. No, there was no. another one even past that. Like they keep picking so ones many. where I'm just like, like I'm just like I'm just and I've, I've been able to meet them and go to their office and stuff, and they're just crazy talented. Nice. But the fact that they can mine nostalgia in like this perfect way, um, and the the games are way better than they have any right to be. You know, it's like oh yeah, we're used to, we're used to shovelware. And one hour where, you know, and now it's just like, you know, these companies are getting some pretty big IPs and making good games, you know? So, I mean, I did want to license um, the um, Carmen Sandiego IP for Fugitive. I wanted to make that. That would have been cool. They're already like stylistically, they're, they're already really close to each other. Yeah. But I, I didn't I didn't chase it down too far. I didn't, you know, and, and I kind of just like making my own little my right. own little universe. But crazy theme, because it's like you've already kind of got it all. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, because you've got cooking. Yeah. Um, you've got as you travel. Were, as you were talking there and talking about just like getting those emotions and those sort of like movie moments, it's like, what if it was just a generic movie? Like you start off and you're just like on set and you've got your budget and you've got to make those movies and hit those oh, beats. There's yeah. There's those two. There's like the Kinesia game. There's there are two or three games that are just like about ma- the business of making movies. Oh really? Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Deadwood. Uh, Deadwood is also one from um, James Ernest on Cheap Ass Games. That's the thing is like when you when you've been around a while, you know you know almost everything's been done. So yeah. it's hard to come up with one that that uh, I I can't think of. Maybe more maybe more of like a mystery. I mean, but it's again that's been done. Like like X Files has been done. Um, Gravity Falls has been done. I think. Sorry, this is going to take too long. I think I think I, that this is like because people come to me. I'll talk to other designers, and they're like, <laughs> "Hey, I got this idea." And I've always got like five games. They might be video games. They might be board games. I'm like, "Hey, look at the. This is some comparables of some people that have done some stuff in this space." Because uh, that's kind of the cycle as like as a designer. Like at the beginning, you have bad ideas, and you don't know they're not. You don't know they're bad, but you try them anyway, right? And you fail, and then you get to the ideas where it's just like. They're good, but someone already did it, you know, and you didn't know about it or it's coming out right now or whatever. And then you get so like so much emotional damage from those first two that when you finally get out in front of the curve and you're like, you're like a groundhog, you're like, okay, <laughs> is this bad? I don't think it's bad is, and no one's done it. Why hasn't anybody done it yet? And you're like, okay, go. And you're like, <laughs> you try to get your game out. <laughs> but it takes it takes a lot of like uh, just kind of life experience, and so it's good to just you know keep up on games and and what's been done, you know, and so you don't reinvent the wheel. And then what's you know uh, you know it, what's and what's coming out now, you know. So um, sorry, I don't have a. I'm sure I'll think of one as you know right after, but that's okay. You yeah. you walked through a lot of thought processes, which I thought was really fun to hear. Like that uh, whole so, process. Yeah. So yeah, I'm good with but, that. I mean, because even like Pride and Prejudice has been done. Oh yeah, yeah. like uh, <laughs> obsession. I mean, you'd have to do something really mundane. Like, I mean, in video games, there's this one where you're like watching a log go down a river, <laughs> so you could get oh, really boring. <laughs> I know. Yeah, sometimes but... I think of simulator ones, like where it's just like building a PC simulator, but the but a card game, you know, like yeah. super mundane and like yeah. uh, power washing. There you go. Power washing the card game. <laughs> there you go. You're going to flip the card over and now it's clean. Yeah. There's there these tiles. <laughs> and then maybe you put too much pressure and then you've broken a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, 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 okay. That, that's, that's your challenge is make a, make a power washing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, all, right. all right. Well, why don't you go ahead and plug? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I plugged everything. Uh, that's all the okay. stuff I'm working on. Um, yeah, you go to Fowers.Games, um, Paperback, Burger Bros, Fugitive, now boarding, hardback, uh, all Jeff's games. Um, and then this fall coming, Paperback Adventures. Whew, so excited. And you can still pre-order that. Yeah, yeah. Run the graphics, run the, the graphics package for that. <laughs> stars on the audio yeah Yeah, everyone can see it right (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening thank you tim for coming on and chatting with me it was a blast getting to chat with you i hope to have you on again sometime in the future if this is your first time listening to the show you can always just go through the back catalog the episodes are named the guest that's on here so if you enjoy the show share it with your friends Rate it on Apple Podcasts or write a review. That helps the podcast get seen more. And 
I would do this podcast even if nobody was listening just because it's a cool excuse to get to talk to so many awesome people and meet new people. Not a whole lot of announcements here, but Library Labyrinth is still on Kickstarter. Go support that. I am so excited. The game looks awesome, and it's made by all women and mainly women characters in there. So that is fantastic. Paperback Adventures is one of my most anticipated, probably my most anticipated game this year. It hits so many of those excitement buttons for me. A few days ago, I was on a stream on the Tabletop Express on YouTube. You can go watch that video. It is, it's Brian Chandler's top 20 games, and it was really fun getting to hang out and chat. Also, during it, he paid me the kindest compliment, and I just... I blush at the thought of it. He told me that Eric Lang's interview on my show was one of the best podcast interviews he's heard in years. And that is just super flattering. Oh, I'm not crying. I am a little bit. Tears of joy. I also have a side project, Friend and Foe Adventure Co. It is an actual play podcast. Really funny. We have fun doing it, and I've been getting so many positive comments telling we've I've been laughing my butt off, you know, and I think this is so funny. Oh, this part had me rolling, and I just ah, I love hearing that too because that project has been really fun. We're playing Borderlands, Bunkers, and Badasses tabletop RPG, and it is just a blast to play. It's fun to play in that fun universe. Borderlands is one of my favorite IPs. So go check that out. It is more mature. Well, it is immaturely mature, a little more explicit. So if that's not your type of podcast, don't worry about it. If you don't mind that kind of thing, go check it out. Maybe you'll enjoy it. I think that the first two episodes are great, but from three and on, I think it really picks up and just gets amazing. We just have so much fun. We've built, we've got our comfort and then we're building off of that. You can follow me on Twitter at Riled Nerd, you can email me, the Board Game Community Show, and that is it. Until next week, keep nerding out. Um, I mean, the, the two the two that I mentioned were like my first experience with like Power Grid and how like how elegant that was. That was really impactful. Um, and and like making you know my, making my first game, but I mean, a lot of it is just these little moments where I get emails of like, hey, I played. M- you know, paperback with my grandma before she died, you know, or somebody that used paperback letters to propose to someone, you know? So like, you know, or someone that got, even got like a Burgle Bros tattoo, you know? Oh, oh, the moment that I went to PAX Unplugged and there was two people cosplaying as the hacker and the juicer from Burgle Bros., I don't know if I've had a, a happier moment as like, as a creator where it's like, I created a thing and they came up with an entire outfit for that. Um, it was super special. It was, it's still like, I don't know if it'll ever happen again, but like, but uh, it was, it was awesome.